how bad, how bad do you want it? They say, well, that could be anything, Dave. I want to know, how bad do you want victory in your life? How bad do you want joy? How bad do you want healing? How bad do you want to be a godly father or a godly mother? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want victory over your biggest temptations that come your way? How bad do you want to be on the top of your game, spiritually speaking? If you're me, or like me, which you're not me, but if you're like me, I want it really, really bad. But sometimes I just can't get it. And I know there's people in the Word of God that got it. You see, the bottom line is, you already have it. You got the green light from God. You just haven't tapped into it. And I'm not going to be one of those preachers that pull out a stool and sit on there and tell you all the good things that God's going to give you and you're going to have multiple amounts of money in the bank and da 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 No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm trying to declare to you this morning that God has given you the ability to have some great things in your life, victories over the areas that you feel like you cannot get victory over. The question is, how bad do you want that, though? David wanted it. And God took down a giant in his life. And Joshua wanted it, and God took down the walls in his life. And Samson wanted it, and God took down the enemies in his life. Moses wanted it, and God took down the Pharaoh of his life. And Daniel wanted it, and God defeated the lions in his life. I got a question. How bad do you want it this morning? Because you're living a lifestyle of constantly going day by day of saying, I think I want it, but I just don't know if I can tap into what I need. I can tell you, you can have it this morning. God can give you exactly what you need and how you need it in your life. Now, I'm not just trying to, listen, I'm going to preach to myself, and I know you might hear that, but the hardest thing for a preacher that is trying to be right with God is to get up and declare something to them that he's not, you know, that he's trying to do in his own life. <clears throat> I know, i got a long way to go. I've got a long way to go. And uh, even in my life, I'm finding myself saying, God, I want it so bad. <clears throat> I want victory. I want to be a great dad. Life is full of troubles and trials. Things are hard. Is there any hope? Every time I turn around, somebody has cancer. Every time I turn around, somebody's sick and dying. Horrible things are happening. I think, what is the point? Families are falling apart. People are giving in to pornography and people are giving in to sexuality before wedlock. And everything is just live as you want. I had a preacher friend of mine over the other day and he was telling me how many preachers he knows that continually, continually cuss and use horrible language on a regular basis outside of the pulpit. Men I look up to. We got to the point, well, who's to say what is language? What is bad words anyway? We've defined bad words. Blah, 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 blah. Quit using crutches to do wicked things. Amen. Who's this? Like Pastor Tony just preached on the subject of alcohol. Who's to say, who's to say that uh, occasional drink and occasional this and occasional sex and occasional this and blah, 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 blah. Why don't you just get over yourself and realize all you're trying to do is appease your flesh so you'll make as many excuses as you possibly can to make yourself satisfied. What happened to just taking the higher road and saying, he that knoweth to do right and doeth not to him it is sin. How about I just try my best not to be a stumbling block to others and be a light to Jesus, for Jesus Christ. 
So how bad do you want these things in your life? All right, so let's look at Mark chapter 2. And then we're going to look at verse 1. And I'm going to show you a familiar story in in the Bible... And I hate that because sometimes when you give a familiar story, everybody starts shutting down because they've heard every message possible about that story. So they're kind of like, here we go again. You know, I don't want you to do that. I want you to stay focused. I want you to listen because it's not about me. It's about what God is trying to do this morning uh, through me. And I I pray God's going to help me through this. We're, We're seeing something take place. Jesus is returning after some weeks and weeks of ministry. I'm talking about he's been through it. He's already got some new disciples lined up during this period of time before this chapter. Uh, he met up, I mean, he's meeting up with some new disciples. And then he's meeting up with Satan. And then he's meeting up with John the Baptist. So he gets baptized. He casts out a demon over here. Gets a new disciples over here. Then Satan shows up. And then he's 40, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness fasting. We got all kinds of stuff going on. He's an exhausted man. You say, how is that possible? He's 100% man and 100% God. And if you can figure that out, then you'll be a God yourself. Fact is, that's what it is. So now we're at chapter 2. And again, he entered into uh, Capernaum. And after some days, it was noise that he was in the house. So here's a location. We're not sure whose house it was. It might have been. <clears throat> it could have been um, Simon Peter's. We don't know. All we know is this. It was a location for him to get away. It was a location for him to say, it's time to shut down a little bit and reformat my thinking and my direction, my mission. We all have to do that. You know, we all have to do that. We have to get to the point where we get away from some things that are around us and and reformat our thinking. So here's Jesus. He's at this location, and people begin to find out where he was. So they start knocking on the door. I know how that feels. Because I live across the street. Not because I'm like Jesus, but... <clears throat> and uh, I came over to the church to grab something. And I was in my van. And I was going back across the street. And I saw somebody pulling down the road. And then they saw me. This is wicked. I hope they're not here. So... <clears throat> and uh, they started following me. And I'm like, ah, got a lot to do. So I pulled back in the church. And I saw they pulled over here. And I pulled over here. And then I whipped back out of the church. And then I'm thinking, Dave... Maybe there's somebody seeking God's face, and they want you to lead them to Christ. Or they just want to waste my time talking about nothing. Uh, I don't know. I, I, sometimes you just got to get away. And I know what some of you are all thinking. That's why he never answers my phone calls. I'm looking at you. <clears throat> Depends on what you want to talk about. Um, they started knocking on his door, and they wanted to talk to Jesus. They said, we want to just hear from you. Help our family. We have somebody sick. We, we want to hear from God. You're God's son. Will you preach to us? And he began to preach and speak to them. So now we're down in verse 2 of chapter 2. And straightway, many were gathered together and so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And what did he do? And he preached the word unto them. I mean, they're outside the door. They keep on coming. Come on in. If it was Peter's house, he was probably like, all right, all right, all right. You all sit over here, you're over here, you're outside the door, open the window, open the window. They're crawling through the windows, Jesus. We just need a little time away. They're all gathering in. You know why? Because they want it. They want something for their life. They want it bad. 
And they're going to do whatever it takes to get it. Let me draw your attention to somebody that shows up. And they, verse 3, come unto him bringing one sick of a palsy, which was born of four. They were carried by four. He was carried by four men. Five guys. And they show up. And I want to talk to you about how bad they wanted it. How bad they wanted something from God. Because everybody in here needs something from God this morning. Every one of you do. I do. It could be a, a trial you're going through. Or it could be a temptation you struggle with daily. Or maybe it's something you're indulging in daily. Maybe it's rebellion in your home. There's something that you want victory over. And the question is, do you want it as bad as they did? If you want it bad enough, you have to do what they've done. And this is what they did. They made a decision. So here's these men with this handicapped man. He's laid out. He's paralyzed. He's not able to move. They're carrying him in, one on each corner of this bed. And they bring him in. And the first thing he had to do, because he wanted it so bad, is he had to make a decision. And the decision required a choice. And the choice was, go to where Jesus is. So the guys gather together. We don't know who they are. It doesn't give their names. I mean, it could be, we'll just call them Billy, Bobby, uh, Bo, and Bubba. And all of them, good southern names. Billy, Bob, Bo, and Bubba. And here they are, all of them. And the other guy, I don't know, we'll, he, we'll call him Thaddeus. <laughs> I don't know. Thaddeus. I'd hate to be named Thaddeus. Thaddeus is laid out there, and Thaddeus can't move. And Thaddeus says, guys, Jesus is in town. And I've, I've made a decision. I need, to, I need to get there. Because it requires a choice. And his choice was to go to where Jesus is. And the Bible says in verse 3, And they come unto him bringing one sick. They had to go to where he is. Listen, you have to make a decision. If you want it bad enough, you have to choose to go where Jesus is. You have to get to the point in your life that you're going to leave everything behind and go where he is. Joshua did. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, the Bible begins to explain what Joshua was doing with the people. Joshua gathered all the children of Israel together and he said, listen, listen, listen. Let me tell you about God. God gave me a word. You know what? You're the only one in this congregation that loves me. I love you. <clears throat> and you're bald. I love you. What? What are we going to... In all my life, I've never had people bringing. This is medication. I got cough drops. I got water, and I got a minute mouth. I'm going to be high on drugs by the time this is over. I thought before I went back out here, I thought, man, my allergies are killing me. It is driving me nuts this morning. But if that's all the devil pulls on me today, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm okay with that. So these men are making a decision, and the choice was clear. We got to go where Jesus is. And I'm thinking about Joshua again. And Joshua said, you've seen God do some amazing things. Children of Israel, you've seen what God can do. All the way back to our forefathers. Did you see what God did in Egypt? Did you? And he begins to name all these things in the book of Joshua chapter 24. And all of a sudden, he said, but I've got to make it clear. It's time to make a choice. You have to make a decision. Before we can do anything else, Joshua told the people of Israel, you have to make a choice. And he said this, you can choose to go back to what your forefathers did and worship false gods, or this land we're in right now, 
you can choose to worship their gods. But as for me and my house, I choose to serve the Lord. The choice was clear. I don't have time to mess around. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to go God's way. I made a decision, and it messed me up. It really did. I thought I had it all figured out. Because when you make a decision, it not only requires a choice, it requires some change. And I'll tell you what I did. I, I said, before Teen Revolution, I want to lose some weight. You know, I had it all figured out. I had this much time to lose this much weight. Then I'm like a week away. And then I realized, yes, I made a decision, and the choice was to lose this much weight, but now I have to change. I have to do some things to make it really work, if I want it bad enough. So I started working out. You know, I've been working out for a whole month. <clears throat> and then the thing about it is, I knew I had to double up if I was really going to lose the weight. Man, I didn't want to double up. I'm like, I got six pounds in one week. That's not possible. So I started changing things up because my plans didn't work out the way I wanted. You see what I'm saying? I had to go a little more aggressive about it because if I wanted it bad enough, I had to do it this way. These four men made a decision and a choice to take this man before Jesus. But when they got there, there was no room. It was packed. So here they are. He's laid there and everything changes. So Thaddeus is laying there and he's going, what's wrong? What's wrong? I can't see anything. Billy and Bobby and Bo, Bubba said, bro, bro, we got a big problem. It's packed out. Billy looks at Bubba and says, I told you we should have left earlier. Every time we go yard sailing, you do this. And and by one o'clock, everything's gone. Get up early. Early bird gets the worm. Nothing's going right. But Thaddeus is laying there going, whoa, whoa. How about me? I can't even walk. Look at this. <clears throat> you worried about who's, who's inside the house? I need to get in the house. You see, we made a decision, and the choice was right. Let's go before Jesus. But when we got here, we had, it required some change. See, decisions require choice, but sometimes they require change. You have to get out of the position in your plans and your way of thinking and find out God's plans might be different than your plans. My brother, not Tony, Denny, most of you don't know Denny, when he, was given, when he got married, he said, Dave, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to get married, we're going to be married about four years, then we're going to have a baby, it's going to be a boy, it's going to be a boy, and uh, probably blonde hair, let's write this down, blue eyes, put that one in, like, he had it all, like he's putting a request into God. I said, Denny, you do realize... <clears throat> you get married, you may not have the baby when you're hoping to have the baby, right? No, dude, we'll, we'll have the baby right on time. He had it all planned out. We do that in life all the time. We, we make a decision. I'm going God's way, and I want this so bad. I want to do God's will so bad. I made a choice just like Joshua. I will serve the Lord. I want to meet with God, see him face to face. I'm going to where he is. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be in Sunday school. I'm going to be in small group. I'm going to be discipled. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, blah. And then you find out, wow, it is not exactly the way I was hoping, just like Thaddeus laying there on the bed. You mean to tell me we came all the way out here and Billy and Bobby were just standing here? No, no, we gotta, we're going to have to change the course. Sometimes we have to change our plans to meet God where he is because God's ways are not always our ways. So they said, well, there's stairs over here. And then Thaddeus is like, go to the stairs. Go get me up the stairs. Because in this region of the country, 
they'd oftentimes make a courtyard, and then there's steps on either side of the one room. Most of them were one, one bedroom, one large bedroom. And then they have the stairs on either side, so you could go to the top, and they'd lower things down. And in this case, they couldn't necessarily lower things through the ceiling because it was a complete sealed roof. So here we go. Verse 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, all the people, they uncovered the roof. Why? Where he was, because that's where Jesus was. They had to get in there somehow, and when they had broken it up, let's stop here. They got to the top. (laughs) These four guys and the man laying down, and when they got to the top, he's laying there and he says, all right, what's the plan now? What are we going to do? I want it really bad. I'm talking about I've made a decision. The choice is clear. We made a change. We're up here now because things don't always go our way. They have to go. Sometimes we have to change things up. So now, if you want it bad enough, you don't only make a decision, but you also have to remove some obstacles, all the obstacles. So he's laying there. And he looks over at Billy and says to Bobby, what's the problem now? There can't be people on the rooftop. There can't. What's going on? Well, there's no, there's no sunroof here. There's no way you can get down there. No, whoa, 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 wait a second. I need Jesus Christ, and I don't care what it takes. Get me down there. Get me down there. And he's saying, I don't care what it takes. Remove the obstacles so I can see Jesus. Because the decision is clear. See, removing obstacles in your life to get a hold of God the way you should it's going to require some things. One of the things is going to require some tools. You have to move the obstacles out of the way of your life. They could be sins. They could just be normal things of life that are holding you back from getting a hold of God. And sometimes we need the tools, the right tools. I worked with my dad for years, and we were on a job doing vinyl siding. There was an eye hook sticking out of the side of the house. And my dad, I said, what do I do with that? I mean, it's like that big. And the bolt's on the other side. I mean, there's no way I can loosen it up. Dad said, well, just make it work. we got to put the siding on the house. I'm like, what tool do I use? You know, you ever been frustrated because you're, you're using everything but the wrong tool? You ever tried to, try to take a screw out with a pair of pliers? Or you don't have a ratchet, so you just use the socket with your hands? I mean, it's just frustrating if you don't have the right tool. Well, these guys are there, and you've got to have the right tools. But they were desperate to get in. I remember that eye hook sticking out of the side of that house, and I said, okay. So I took the old-fashioned drill, which is not designed for this, and I started beating on this eye hook. Nobody lived in the house. It was uh, being remodeled. And all of a sudden, bloop, it, I thought it fell, it fell inside between the, the wall, the, the, the studs. I got this. Nobody's in the house. The house is wide open, so we had a cooler inside. So I decided later on, whoo, it's Alabama. I'm burning up. I go inside, and I'm looking for a cup or something. I open the cabinet. Guess what's in the cabinet? The eye hook. Honest to God. It went through the wall. I pounded so hard, it went into the cabinet and fell down. There's a hole this big inside the house. And I said, my dad's going to kill me. (laughs) All because I had the wrong tools. But I tell you, I wanted it bad enough to get it out of the wall so I can continue building. And these guys are standing there thinking, how can we do this? But they had to uncover it. And hear it. In your life, you have to have the right tools. I'm afraid we are relying on all the wrong things to get us through life. All the wrong tools. You spend all your time in your depression with medication. And I'm not against medication. Don't get me wrong. Pastor Dave is not preaching against medication. But I'm afraid Americans have been over abundantly medicated. 
Is that true? <clears throat> is there money in it? Yeah, there's money in it. And the love of money is the root of all evil. We're using tools to satisfy our needs instead of seeking God in a lot of areas. Some of you are going to counselors and you get nothing done through that counselor because you don't need to be going to the counselor. Can I be really blunt? Really blunt. Some of us are so pampering our children. He's just got ADD and VED and DDDD and didn't. I'm not saying those things aren't true. God knows. I will say this. Those things happen in people's lives. I'm not denying that. But sometimes I think we're looking to find those things in our children's lives. And not finding other tools to help them. Really, it's true. My mom would have looked at me and said, are you crazy? She looked at the doctor and said, what? I know what he needs. And he's going to get it when we get home. <laughs> and I did. And sometimes I got it before I went in the house. Because she's grabbing whatever she can. I'm like, mom, that is a hoe. You cannot spank me with that. <clears throat> We're using the wrong tools. Hey, we've got a tool. And I'm not saying it's always going to be easy to dig in the word of God and find out your depression is because you are too busy sucking your thumb every day. Yes. I am tired of seeing on Facebook and everybody else shooting tweets out that are saying, just a bad day, just a bad day, just a bad day. <clears throat> and then everybody and their mother is like, what's going on? What's going on with you? What's, what's wrong? I got a great counselor. You just... Sometimes we got to back up and say, is it me? Listen, listen. I'm going to be very clear with you. Some of you are probably upset with, with me right now. I'm going to tell you, I could use a crutch all day long. Because I have to take Copaxin shots every day because I have multiple sclerosis. And one of the biggest problems with multiple sclerosis and the medication is depression. Huge. I know what it's like to get up in the morning and go, I don't want to do anything except, except get a venti iced coffee from Starbucks and sit and watch Andy Griffith all morning. <clears throat> I know what it's like. But let me tell you something. My wife knows when I'm using my MS as a crutch. Why aren't you, what, what's going on? Why aren't you doing that? You know, I'm just having a really bad day with my MS today. It's really kicking my backside. Everybody's like, I'll kick your backside. I don't want to hear your crutches. All I'm saying is sometimes in life we're using the wrong tools. We need to get a hold of God. Some of you are like, I'm struggling with alcohol. You probably didn't listen to any of the messages for the last two weeks when Pastor Tony is saying, it's in the book. Let me show you how you can get past that. You know, let me show you. This is the right tool to use in your life. In order to get the job done correctly, it requires the proper tools. And that's why the Bible says in Jeremiah 23, verse 29, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? My word is powerful. And Thaddeus is laying there and he says, all right. <clears throat> Bubba and Billy are like, what are you doing? I got to get down there. Well, that ain't going to get the job done. What are you doing, Thaddeus? Bo's like, I, I got an idea. <clears throat> We're going to have to bust it through. We're going to have to get down there. See, to remove the obstacles, it requires tools, the right tools, but it requires people. You ever been around somebody and said, hey, man, what's going on? Nothing. Hey, let me help you with that. No, I don't need help. I don't need help. You don't need help. I'm good. You ever experienced that with your, your spouse? What's wrong? You okay? Everything's fine. Yeah, 
Okay. <laughs> that ain't a lie. <clears throat> we had one of our ladies come, and she's here, and I love her to death, and she brought one of her friends in. She said, I just need you to sit down with my friend and talk with her. Remember that? Boy, her friend was down and out and just depressed and just having a hard time. You know, to remove obstacles, it not only requires the right tools, but it requires the right people. Friends that love you. It's called the church. I said, man, that church, they never do anything for me because you're never here. Some people only come when they want something. Can y'all help me move? Pastor, I know you work about 80 hours a week. Can you just, <laughs> we move people all the time. That's not a problem. But it is a problem if you never show your face in three months. And then you just want to, let me say it bluntly, suck off the church. Because we're the body of Christ. We're all in this together. Let me tell you something. If everybody else is going like this and they're working and they're in the bus ministry and they're going, 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 and going, and you're over here like this, like the guy that's crippled, you're just no, no use. You're just, you know what? You're not being a blessing and a help to the ministry. You need to jump in. How bad do you want it? You make a decision, but your decision will also require you to move some obstacles. And one of the obstacles is going to require you to have the right tools and the right people. And here they are, four people. And they said, let me help you. Thaddeus, stop it. You're scabbing up your hand. Billy and Bo and Bubba, we got this. We got this. We'll bust this out. So they start busting it through. And this particular roofing was made in such a way they have clay and they have straw and there's layers. Let me tell you something. It's not only going to require the right tools and the people, but it's going to require work. We don't know that anymore. What is it to work? Give me, give me, give me. Faith without works is dead. I want something from God, but I'll do nothing for him. This made a song. <clears throat> that is life. Continuously dealing with people with the idea of, I will be a crippled man that does nothing and you do everything. And then we get mad at God. Why, why would God do this to me? And God's going, where are you? Where have you been? I'm in the house helping people. You're not making any effort. How bad do you want me? You made a decision, but you stopped at the foot of the stairs. I'm telling you, go up the stairs. And it's going to require you to make some decisions to remove the obstacles that are in your way. Get the right tools. Get the right people. Lean on your church. Love your church. Get involved in your church. But you got to go a little further than that. Work hard. Say, I'm not going to stop. This was the hardest week of my life, spiritually speaking. And I guess because God knew I was going to preach. I mean, of course God knew I was going to preach this. But Satan knew I was going to preach this. Not literally Satan, but maybe one of his imps, because I don't know where Satan is. I don't think he really cares about me as an individual. But <clears throat> here I am, and I'm like, every time I turn around, there's temptation in my face, in my face, in my face. And I have to literally yell at myself, how bad do you want it? Stop it. How bad do you want it? I'm like, I really want it. Then don't be a hypocrite. Don't be like all those other preachers you know. They get up and preach everything, and then they go live it. <clears throat> Don't live it like that. Don't do it like that. Don't be like that. It requires work, 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 work. Do it. How bad do you want it? So they begin to remove some layers. And let me tell you, when you start removing some of the sinful layers in your life, you're beginning to, it's beginning to reveal some things. You're like, I only have this problem. And I got rid of it. And then you're like, whoa. Like Thaddeus is going, what, what, Billy? There's another layer. 
Well, bust it out of the way. I've got to get to Jesus. It's an obstacle. It's a stumbling block. Don't let anything get in my way. Move it and bust it. Bust it. <laughs> they're like, Thaddeus, stop it. We got this. So they bust another layer. And then when that one's gone, they see another layer. And every time you bust away a layer in your life that's sinful or addictive, you're going, there's something else. I thought I just had an anger issue. But I have a big mouth issue. I run my mouth about everybody. I thought I just had a marital issue. But I have much more than that. Before you know it, you finally bust all the obstacles out of the way. And guess what happens? You're like Billy and Bobby and Bo and Bubba. They go, "Woo! you wouldn't believe what we're seeing right now. Because if you want it bad enough, you have to have faith in God. It's the third thing. They're looking down and they see Jesus. And here's the crippled man go, what, what, what? My eyes are burning. Give me some sunglasses. I can't see anything except the sun. What's down there? I can't see it. Because faith without, you know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. And they worked really hard. But they also the Bible says, it makes it very clear. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for in Hebrews chapter 11. And the evidence of things not seen. He said, I'm, well, hey, we, we've done it. I can't see Jesus, but I believe you guys. And you come to church this morning, you say, I don't know what everybody's got in their life. I guess it's this Jesus. I don't know him. And we want to show him to you. We want to reveal him to you. Because he's in the word and he wants to change your life like he changed this man's life. And so Billy and Bobby, they're all looking down and going, it's Jesus. He's right there. So Thaddeus says, well, get me down there. I have faith. But the faith requires you to let go. See, they had to lower him down, the Bible says in verse 4. He had no ability to control anything. He's just laying there. So they scoot him over. He's on this little thing. They call it a couch in, I think, the book of Luke. And uh, it's not literally a couch, like a lazy boy, but it's like a board. So they lay him on, he's laying there, and he goes, all right, let's do this. Billy, let's do it. Bobby, let's go. Rock on. And they start lowering him. And he's like, oh, man, I have no idea what's underneath me. All I know is I have faith that he who's below me can change my life. I've made a decision and the choice I made was clear. I had to change some things up to make sure I'm where, where he wants me to be. And then, and then not only that, did I make a decision, but now, now I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out. I'm having faith in God. I got the obstacles out of my way. They're gone. I can see clearly, but I can't see what's under me. It's Jesus. All I can do is believe. They start lowering him down, lowering him down, lowering him down. The man was in the position that disabled him from seeing or being in control of anything. You've got to have faith. And the only way you can have faith is it requires you to let go. Let go. Honey, uh, we got to get, get this bill paid. I'm gonna do, but, 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 yeah, work hard. Trust God, but let go. Stress never accomplished anything except losing your hair or getting gray hair. Worry doesn't fix anything. It just makes it worse. Now I'm really preaching at myself. So you have to have faith and say, I'm going to let it go. I can, I can let go. So he's saying, guys, I love you. They're like, we love you, buddy. Jesus loves you more, and he's right underneath you. You just don't see him yet, so he's almost there. Faith requires you to let go, but it also requires you to let God. So the, he stops. He opens his eyes, and he looks. Everybody's staring at him. I mean, there's tons of people in there. And he's like, oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. They just let me down in the YMCA. I, I don't know where I'm at. I'm embarrassed. Look at me. 
This is embarrassing. I'm at church with all these Christians with their suits and ties on. And who am I? They don't know me. They're staring at me. I can't go to an altar. They'll, they'll, they'll wonder what's going on in my life. He's laying there. And all of a sudden, Jesus pushes the people back. He's like, this ain't the people that I was expected. This guy's different. Who are you? And Jesus just looks at him and says, your faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he spoke of his faith. Because God's looking at your heart. He's not looking at the outside. Now let me tell you something. When you get your heart right, the outside starts to change. But it begins in the inside. And he said, hey, and this is such a precious thing. He had faith to let go and he had faith to let God. But in the end, if you really want it bad enough, you've got to be prepared to be amazed. Because God's going to do something great. So there he is. He's laying there. And the guys are up there and they're like, yeah. looks and he says God is it not every is it not obvious he didn't have to say a word he I need God I need you I'm here and you know my faith but he was worried about his physical condition just like a lot of you are worried about your financial your medical your retirement all these things are stressing you out Jesus wasn't worried about that look what the Bible says the Bible says in verse 5 when Jesus saw their faith he said unto the sick of a palsy, son, I love how he says, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa I, I, don't worry about your legs right now. Let me change your life. He's laying there and he goes, I didn't come here for that. But you, you just put the cherry on top, God. God says, you can't worry about the physical, financial, and all your other problems if you're not right spiritually. So let me help you spiritually, and then everything else will line up. Then you can get up and you can go forward in the right direction, on the right path. And the Bible says that he made it clear, your sins are forgiven, your faith has made you whole, and God makes the next step, Jesus' son, I mean God's son, Jesus says, now, physically, let me change you. And all the critics you know, we got, by the way, you're here, there's a bunch of hypocrites in church. They were there with Jesus too. The scribes were there and they were all going, did you just see that? I know you didn't just see that. I know I saw it. He just said your sins are forgiven. Who does he think he is? The son of God, really? And God looks at, Jesus looks at him and says, is it easier for me just to say, rise up and walk, or your sins are forgiven? I'm, I'm Jesus. I'm going to do both. Sit back and be quiet. Warm a pew a while and let all of us have faith and move on. So Jesus says, rise up and walk. You got a new life, but now let me give you some new legs. And he got up, and he took his bed with him. I would have left the thing behind. The Bible says he picked it up, and he's like, look at me. Look at me. Legs. They can move my feet, my arms. No more of this. He's like, Billy, Bobby, Bo, Bubba, Bubba, look at this. He just did it. Let me tell you something. The Bible says, verse 12, and immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all in so much that they were all, what? Amazed. And they glorified God. To God be the glory. 
Let me remind you something. When somebody says that you are worthless, you are not, that's a lie from Satan, God has a reason for you. And the reason is to bring you good and to bring him glory. Because you can't have one without the other. God's glory will always be brought forth. But let me tell you, he loves his children. He wants to invest in his children. You, if you're a part of the body of Christ, you are his children. Now let me ask you this. Are you ready to let go and let God and say, I want it, and I want it bad enough to go all the way and do what these men have done? How bad do you want it?